Hi, this is Mano from Doing Good, where we're bringing art and social good together. I'm here on the edge of NFT, the part that is just not doing good, but also doing great at delivering you the best NFT content around. Stay tuned. Hey, all you NFT curious listeners, check out today's rocking episode to learn how doing good is doing great things for creators, givers, and those in need. How the computer, internet, and Ethereum community collectively provided incredible leverage that today's guest has liberated him as a human. And why rare marbles might be more valuable than rare pizzas to a younger version of our guests. All this and more in today's episode. Enjoy. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Manu Alsuru of Doing Good, an NFT marketplace and social platform focused on the future of creator and giving economies by bringing creators, brands, curators, collectors, and social impact organizations together to support one another and become self-owned, self-governed, and self-sustained. Manu, co-founder of Doing Good, that's D-O-I-N-G-U-D, is an engineer, humanist, solar punk, and optimist who believes in humanity and its capacity to evolve and adapt for creating a more equitable future. Manu has led teams at multinational organizations, helped with the launch of multiple traditional and blockchain organizations, is advising venture capitalists and angels, and founded fightpandemics.com, a social platform where those who need help can connect with those who can provide it. Manu, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Yeah, but we know uh, you've been under the weather here recently, man. And so uh, we, uh, we we didn't know if we'd have you live and in person, buddy, but we're glad you're uh, you're recovered. You're on track, although we would have enjoyed a little bit of a trippy episode on uh, on some fun drugs. So <laughs> we'll save that for next time. Yeah, we have a lot of projects on the platform and, and social impact, social good comes up a lot as a topic. It seems like it's embedded in the DNA of what you guys are doing. So excited to dive into that today. 100%. Cool, dude. Well, look, let's do it. Let's start at the beginning. How did the idea for Doing Good come up and how did this amazing team come together? Man, the story of uh, how Doing Good, how the idea was was born is basically the story of my life, which has been very difficult, but it's been also great. A great experience. Difficult because I've lived in Venezuela before and I experienced governments, let's say, taking away stuff from us taking away stuff from my family. So um, I experienced the expropriation of land. So I've been, since I was a young kid, <laughs> I've been protesting for property rights and also for freedom of speech. And then when I became an engineer, I started working with one of the largest oil service companies in the world. And I realized how we humans value natural resources and human capital and social capital, which actually we don't value. And yeah, I started to see all the problems that we have in our humanity and how we're using natural resources and to extract as much value as we can. And also, well, just before that, I was also building websites. When I realized what was really going on with the oil industry, I decided to quit and then after that, I got into a lot of trouble because I was protesting back at home. I was actually organizing protests against government. Well, I was actually protesting for freedom of speech and also for property rights. And yeah, the government doesn't like that back at home. So I had to leave the country. And then when I came to Europe, I started working again in the internet and then realized that basically the new oil is data. We were using data against users and basically exploiting users again, but in another way. So I got disgusted again by the industry. And then, well, that led me to getting into blockchain years later after working in multiple multinational organizations. 
And then, yeah, basically I explore the power of community ownership. I explore the power of the blockchain itself. And also, as you mentioned before, I also created one organization that was called Five Pandemics. And the idea at that time, it was to create a platform that helped people connect when they needed any help. And what I was building that platform together with over 1,900 people from all over the world, we didn't raise one single US dollar. It was only people contributing to something that they wanted. The idea at that time was to create a social DAO, but I realized that most of the people didn't get the, the concept of ownership or the concept of community ownership and community-driven projects. And yeah, I realized that basically we needed to combine human capital and social capital with financial capital. And when I saw what was happening with NFTs, I thought that this was the perfect combination because it unlocks so many type of new capitals or new type of value that people don't necessarily need to understand, but they know that they exist. And that was easier to understand than actually managing a platform or a social platform that was community-owned. So to me, NFTs were like perfect. Why? Because what I was building five pandemics, I also realized that most of the people that were behind nonprofits and NGOs are actually artists and creators. And to me, it was quite, let's say, a click that we need to bring the creator economy and the giving economy together because there's a huge overlap in those two economies. And yeah, and that's basically how Doing Good was born. The initial uh, group that started working on Doing Good came from the Five Pandemics Project. Then it's Benju's friends and Frenzo's friends that been joining and been supporting a lot. And yeah, and, and here we are. Yeah. Wow. What a wonderful story. And first of all, compliments on your activism and your optimism and your sort of willingness to keep going through, you know, difficulties and the awareness, right? Like that you're bringing to these things, you know, sometimes we can turn a blind eye to things, but you're kind of seems like you're moving with wide eyes, eyes wide open, which is really exciting and inspiring to myself. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners also, just a comment on your idea of these new forms of currency and among artists and, you know, givers, we won't, of course, focus on this on the episode, but, you know, we were just releasing our spirit coin project, right? And along with Nicole Buffett, right? And one of the essential principles we're celebrating with her is digital art as a new form of currency, right? So uh, we totally resonate with what you're talking about. My next question is for listeners who are unaware what is the doing good ecosystem and how does it go about elevating art and creators? Yeah, that's a good question. So we call doing good an ecosystem is because we're not only a marketplace. Initially, we're starting as a marketplace or as a platform that enables creators to come in and tokenize their creations in the form of NFTs and stream some percentage of their sales to social causes that they care about. And this is how we're starting. But the idea is that basically we distribute ownership to those people that are contributing to the protocol. And then we can collectively curate all the different social causes that are listed within the protocol. And the protocol could be used by DeFi, by DAOs, and by other different financial instruments. We're starting with NFTs is because we see that there's a huge overlap uh, with the creator economy and with the giving economy right away. But we think that humans in general, they want to do good. And we just need to find ways and basically give them the tools so they can express themselves and do good. And yeah, the idea here is, as I said, is to go beyond NFTs and enable this protocol to become kind of like a way for us to show to the world that we humans can do good for, for ourselves and for the world. That's wonderful. Yeah. And we're seeing over and over again, these themes in crypto and NFTs of giving back and just how well that's working. We brought on someone from Endowment, right? E-N-D-A-O-M-E-N-T, this organization that basically goes to nonprofits and says, hey, don't turn down those crypto donations because you don't know what to do with them <laughs> because you're going to get a lot of them and it's going to increase, right? 
And so they facilitate the distribution of those cryptocurrency donations by making it easier for sometimes slow-moving non-for-profits to just hop on board and benefit from all this. It's a really wonderful trend that's going on and appreciate you being yet another arm that facilitates that for sure. Yeah, and also another thing that people haven't realized is that actually we can make net positive games instead of creating zero-sum games. Because when you give, you're basically losing what you're giving. But what if you actually could earn by giving? So you can create different mechanisms that empower the community that give and create a more sustainable ecosystem. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about, just real quick, Josh, for us as a podcast, it's one of the things that we're very dialed in on. You see behind Ethan there, Living Tree NFTs is something that's going to be launching soon. And, And for us, that is about rewarding people for giving us their time and attention and spending that very valuable awareness of theirs on what we're doing and, and everything that we're about. And there's something in there that's really special that I think is is elevated within the NFT community, even above and beyond the general crypto community and blockchain community. That's one of the things that we're most excited about this space. And yeah, it's excited to hear you talk about that because we're very much aligned. I would just echo all that. The fundamental idea needs to be emphasized to our listeners that you can actually have social impact projects with NFTs where everyone can make money and the cause can be benefited at the same time. And this is the power unleashed with NFTs, which leads me to some curiosity about your announcement of your launch, November 30th. This is pretty exciting news. I know how much goes into these launches. What can people do on day one? And then what are some of the features down the road? And how do these features differ from what's out there already today in addition to sort of this contribution component? Yeah, okay. Let's start with the first one. What can people do on November 30th? Well, they can come to the platform. They can create a profile. They are going to be able also to participate in the different drops that we're going to be having. This is a soft launch, what we're doing initially. So it's not going to be open for people to start minting and creating NFTs themselves. But later on in Q1, at the beginning of Q1, it's going to be open for everyone. We see ourselves as a platform that is open for all the different creators. But the main differentiator, I would say, is that we have a curation element that is going to be community-owned and community-driven. So what that means is that we can collectively decide who are those creators that we want to have within the platform and not have all of these decisions made made in the back doors, let's say, but actually made with the community, together with the community. Also, another thing that that is really important to say is that the NFTs are not going to be directly minted when the creator comes in and and they upload their creations. They're going to be minted only when they get bought. So like that, we're not using resources of the blockchain that are not necessary. Another thing that is important is that we're envisioning a multi-blockchain ecosystem, a multi-chain ecosystem. So in the same way that in the real world, whenever you buy an asset, you're thinking, where should I put this asset? Should I put it in a wall? Should I put it in a vault? Should I put it in a museum? In the digital world, we believe that it's going to be exactly the same. Collectors are going to think where they want to hold their asset. Maybe if an asset is worth $10, maybe they want to hold it on Polygon. But maybe if the asset is worth a couple of hundred thousands or millions, maybe they want to hold it on Ethereum because it's more secure and stable for them. So we want to enable the creators to do what they know best, which is create and not think about anything related to the blockchain. But the collectors who are the ones that care where they're going to be holding the asset, they're going to be selecting in which blockchain they want this NFT to be minted in. And this is something that we think is going to change the way that people interact with NFTs because we also don't want to block, let's say, the creators to one chain. We just want, we believe in a multi-chain world. We believe in pluralism, in different forms of expression. So we just want the creators to just focus on what they know best, which is creating. And at the same time, be able to collaborate with multiple creators, have, let's say, up to 200 creators in one creation and split all the donations between 
all the donations, no, all the different revenues between all the different collaborators. And also, not only in the primary market, but also in the secondary market as well. And the donation part is a minimum 5% in the primary sales and a minimum of 2.5% in the secondary market. So that means that the creations are always funding public goods and funding public infrastructure. Another thing that is important to mention about the platform is the way that we envision NFTs or how they should behave. Like currently, people are storing NFTs only on IPFS, but IPFS, for those that don't know, is not a permanent storage solution. IPFS is actually a protocol. And if you don't pay those node operators, basically they can drop the data that is being hosted on IPFS. Yeah, we've talked about that before in the show, that not all NFTs are created equal and people often don't know the code that they're buying. Yeah. So the idea here, the idea that we that we have is to make NFTs more resilient. You might be asking, how can we make NFTs more resilient? But what if we had on IPFS, but also we had on Filecoin or on Airwave or SIA on all these different decentralized storage networks? So if one doesn't work, there's another one that still has all the data of the NFT. So like that, there is, the NFT is really resilient, let's say. And hopefully it could be permanent. So there's a lot that you covered there. I just want to go back to the governance, the DAO, the choosing the charities side. Could you elaborate a little bit more on how you're balancing what the creators want to support versus what the collectors want to support and how those decisions get made? And are there any sort of nonprofits, you know, that are off the table, like extreme political causes and, and things like that? Or is it is it truly sort of up to the community how that would work? And is it actually a DAO? Sorry, I wanted to clarify. Is it structured as a DAO? Initially, we are not a DAO yet. We are a team that is building the basis for this to become a DAO and to be managed as a DAO. I've been in the DAO space for a while and I have realized that I've been you know, participating in, in the ecosystem for over three years. And I have realized that you cannot release a project and, and call it decentralized from day one, because that's not the reality. That's not how things work. There's a lot of information asymmetry. There's a lot of things that people don't talk about. And we believe that the best way to create, let's say, a really, let's say, solid decentralized organization is to do it progressively and to do it with consciousness. So what does that mean? Is creating the values that everyone is actually aligned. Because if all the stakeholders in an organization are not aligned with the values, then it just won't go where you're aiming the organization to go. So we are taking a step back and basically building the foundations for this to become a decentralized autonomous organization. So... Initially, we, the team, we are curating those organizations that are being listed within the platform. The way that we're doing it is uh, we're doing KYB, which is Know Your Business, and KYC, Know Your Customer. So we're doing KYB for the organization and basically verifying that the people behind those organizations are who they say they are. So like that, they can become a proof organization for the time being. Okay, so we don't know what organization is doing a good job or a bad job. And it's not our job to decide that, but it's actually the job of the community to decide what is good and what is bad. Because also what is good and what is bad is very relative. So today something might be good and tomorrow it might not be good anymore. So we want this to be very flexible. So initially, as I said, we, the team, we're selecting those social causes based on what the creators that are going to be onboarded initially want to support, okay? So it's the creators who are deciding what organizations are going to be receiving money from their creations. So it's not coming from their pocket. It's coming from what they create. Whenever it gets sold, a percentage goes to those social causes. But the way that we envision this organization is that after we have our token out and so on, is that we can collectively decide who are those organizations that are listed within the protocol? And as I said, maybe one organization might be listed today, 
might be receiving funds for a couple of months, but then we realize that the organization is actually not doing what they say that they were going to be doing, and we can just delist it as a collective. We can just decide, hey, actually, this is not up to the standards that we want. I totally get it now, and I understand sort of the pushes and pulls there. What you're doing is actually quite similar to a project you probably weren't expecting me to mention in the same podcast, which is Super Doge. So this is a cartoon animated series formed from a meme coin. We just did a show with them, and what the creators did is they chose three charities at the beginning, and then the community got to decide if those charities continue or other charities got nominated and they got voted on by the community based on a a governance process. And essentially, what you're saying is you're going to kickstart things, send things in the right direction, and then let the community support the future progress from there. There you go. That's the idea. So we're setting, as I said, like the foundation, and then hopefully this can run by itself and be managed by the community. That's what we're aiming for. Speaking of the community and and the creators in the community, could you fill us in on on what artists are in the platform, in the ecosystem here ahead of the launch? Yeah, for sure. So we're going to be working together with H Plus Creative. They have multiple, multiple creators within that collective, like Render Fruit, the Skiva. And also we're going to be working with the guys from Blonde Action, also with Jules Smack, Alison Bumpcat. Benheim, Chris McCann, and also we have another platform that is called Agora. And Agora has over 3 million users and it's a community managed platform for photographers. And they have selected like the best photographies for the United Nations for the 75 years of the United Nations. They have 75 pictures in the United Nations headquarters. And they curated with the community. They also have curated like the best pictures of 2021 in black and white and so on. And they're going to be auctioning all of this directly in our platform. We're going to be working together with that community very closely. That's going to be like the, one of the first, let's say, cases where it's going to be, you know, a combination of communities just coming together and doing good for humanity. And we, this is just one case. But there's going to be more different projects that also are community managed and community owned and so on that are going to be working together with us. But yeah, these are like the initial artists. I'm sorry if I forgot some of them. But yeah, the idea is to kick this off, have this soft launch until the end of this year and then make it open. And that's kind of like the goal. Awesome. Yeah, we talked about this kind of flexible structure with a strong foundation bringing art creators on board and also organizations that get to benefit from everything. Can you highlight some of the social causes that you've welcomed ahead of the launch? I know there's the Tanzania Development Trust that you're working with. Can you tell us a little bit about maybe that or other other projects that are on board? Yeah, so we have the Open Earth Foundation. We have also, as you said, the Rainforest Foundation. We have as well, Every Shelter. We have Cruces X Rosas, which is not in the U.S., is a Latin foundation. We have the Blockchain Education Network. We have Kaboom. We have the Malala Fund as well. We have Save the Children. We have United Way Worldwide. We have United Way Miami. We have Musicians on Calls. We have Ocean Defenders Alliance and multiple, multiple more that have been requesting us to be listed as well within the platform. Initially, we're starting with, let's say, around 30, but we have received over 280-something requests to be listed in the platform. And this is just the very beginning. Also, another important thing to mention is that the platform is going to be also in multiple languages as well. So like that, we can cover the communities that haven't really been able to use NFTs if they don't, if they don't know English, for example. So yeah, that's also something that we want this platform to be more than just a platform. It's, it's going to be a movement. It's a movement. Yeah, that's cool too, to hear, hear just the naming of, of some of these projects. First of all, there's, there's quite a few that you mentioned, and, and that's really interesting to hear. And also interesting to hear the diversity, everything from you know Save the Children to uh, United Way to like music 
related projects and projects that are supporting poverty and water and technology and things like this. Um, I love the diversity that's offered as well. Yeah, it's consistent with the diversity of the, you know, the UN Sustainable Development Goals. I think there's 17, right? And I, I guess I'm curious, like, more specifically, how you're curating around those specific sustainable development goals. Actually, the platform, when you join the platform, the first thing that you'll see is that before you can actually do anything, you need to select the sustainable development goals that you care about, whether it's climate change, whether it's, let's say, gender inequality or any of those, any of those problems that you actually want to help solve. And all of these sustainable development goals are just like the gateway or like the door for showing you like all these different organizations, because an organization can actually support multiple sustainable development goals. So there are some organizations that are focusing on climate change, but also focusing on, let's say, having clean water or stuff like that. So they are themselves the ones that are saying, what are the things that they like? And based on uh, what are the things that they like? No, what are the things that they're trying to tackle? And based on that, they're listed within the platform. Yeah, that's really cool. You should check out a company called The Canvas. This is a store that's in New York, as well as, I believe, Germany. And now they have an e-commerce store. And they're built around the sustainable development goals as well. And for every project or uh, product on that store, they have what sustainable development goals are associated with it. There might be some kind of cool collaboration there. Oh, yeah. Okay, awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that we want to raise awareness of is that everyone in, not everyone, but a lot of people in the NFT space is talking about climate change. But we as humans, we have way more problems than only climate change. There's people still that don't have food in their table. There's still a lot of people that don't have a roof. There's still people that don't even have water. And we need to solve those issues. And obviously, climate change is one huge issue that we need to come together and coordinate and hopefully solve. But yeah, we need to be conscious that there's way more than that. We need to support all of these different causes that are trying to solve these problems. Yeah, I've heard it said, you know, people talk about the rising billion, right? I mean, there's so many entering the population and some of us are in a developed world where things are a little bit easier to manage and we're nourished and we're sheltered and we have resources, education. And then, like you said, there's those that don't. And I love that you're highlighting that as we support the least among us, they become contributing members of this problem solving community, right? They can actually start to contribute to the economy and be part of the solution to everything. Yeah. And one cool thing about NFTs is that actually we can use that as a positive thing because you can brag about doing good for humanity because you have this proof of doing something. And what better than, okay, supporting a creator, buying something that you like, and at the same time, good for humanity. To me, it's just like a no-brainer. You've obviously put so much work into this with your team and the community, so well thought out. And as you noted, November 30th is just the beginning. So we're excited to see where you take this thing. We all gain inspiration from a number of projects in the space. And we were curious, you know, is there a set of projects that you look to for inspiration or a concept or platform that you're you know, excited about? 100%. 100%. To me, the Ethereum community liberate, let's say Ethereum in general, liberated me as a human, let's say, first. And then second, I would say within the Ethereum community, there has been some projects that have been pushing the boundaries when it comes to funding public goods. One of them is Gitcoin, which is a project that has been funding open source software development. And it has created a massive ecosystem. And the crazy thing is that people were donating to all of these different projects that were being created. And then after that, after all the donations that they give, they actually receive tokens from the Gitcoin DAO. 
And now we can collectively curate what are all those, the, all the different projects that are listed within the Gitcoin grants. So Gitcoin, they have every quarter, they have a round of donations. And basically people come in during those rounds of donations, they give money in and they have a pool. And usually this pool, the way that it was, let's say, created was based on donations from other big players. So let's say protocols, blockchain companies, or even let's say some blockchain philanthropists, they donated to this pool. And this pool is used for matching the donations that are given to those open source projects. So it's like a double matching system. And to me, Gitcoin is one of those projects that I have to say has been giving me a lot of inspiration and a lot of hope for humanity. That's amazing, dude. It gets me pumped up. <laughs> your enthusiasm is definitely contagious, buddy. So much fun to hear about everything you're working on. And we wanted to kind of piggyback off of all that enthusiasm, all that interest and everything you've shared about doing good and, and ask you some questions from your personal perspective about things. And I think we're in for some fun answers. So it's a segment that we call Edge Quick Hitters. It's 10 questions. We look for short, single word or, or few word answers, but you can expand if you uh, feel the urge. You ready to dive in on these bad boys? Let's go. All right, man. So question number one, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Oh, wow. To be honest, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no idea what was the first thing that I purchased. Okay, you first thing you remember? First thing you remember. Yeah, there you go. Even if it's a week ago, I suppose. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I do remember now. Marbles. Mm. <laughs> I love marble when I was a kid. My parents used to give me some money to buy food in the school, but I will not eat. And <laughs> 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 buy nice. marbles, buy like these rare marbles. And I had like a lot of those rare, rare marbles. <laughs> There's a future NFT collection yeah. brewing here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you read my mind. Yeah, there's rare pizzas. I don't even know. There's probably already rare marbles. We got to look that one up. If not, we're going to build it. <laughs> That's so fun. That's awesome, man. Okay, cool. Well, question number two, what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Okay, that I remember. So when I was a kid, I was actually buying a lot of stuff online and reselling it online. So I was buying stuff from the US and from Europe. I was hustling in Venezuela, bro. So I was, whenever I saw that it was like a good price, I would just buy it and resell it back at home. What's the craziest thing? What's the craziest example of something that you bought and resold? Blackberries. Blackberries at the time, they were like the elite phone in Venezuela. So yeah, I was buying Blackberries. Like, <laughs> My question is that they call them Moras no, 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 no. in <laughs> Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> they were calling blackberries. <laughs> they just awesome. call them blackberries. Okay. Question number three. What is the most recent thing you purchased? The most recent thing that I purchased, uh, obviously an NFT. Uh, anything you wish to disclose? Uh, not really. <laughs> I got it. Keep that info private. No problem. Look after. Well, we know he's not doing a pump and dump That's here. right. That's right. <laughs> Question four. What is the most recent thing you sold? The most recent thing that I sold, some crypto, actually, and I had to. It's sad, but I had to. <laughs> I had to sell a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. You got to put it to work in other ways. I get it. Question number five. What is your most prized possession? Oh, man. Definitely my computer. It's what liberated me, man. It connected me to the world. It gave me so much freedom from a country where I had no freedom. My computer. The internet. I don't own the internet, but the internet for sure is something that I would say... Well, it's a collective possession, especially when you look at Web3, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's a public thing, right? <laughs> but yeah, public possession. To me, the internet. Maybe one of my favorite answers to this question yet. Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical, service, and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? To be honest... It will be plane tickets for my family to get the hell out of Venezuela. Mm. There it is. If I could buy passports for them, I would just buy passport for them as well. Yeah, man. 
Let's move to question seven, a little different angle. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be? Optimism. I think we see that today shining through in this conversation, brother. I agree. (laughs) Question number eight, the flip side of that, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? It's bad to say what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say is trust because I trust too much. Hmm. I trust too much and I've been fucked too much for trusting too much. Yeah, it's a tough one. That's for sure, man. Appreciate your candor on that. Let's do something a little easier then. Question nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I was in another call, (laughs) in another Zoom call, man. (laughs) Busy man, busy man for sure. Okay, question 10, last one. What are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm going to call my mom and say that I love her. Hey, there you go. Oh, man, that's just like the cherry on top of everything, isn't that it? Is it? <laughs> well, that's our 10 questions, man. She's been calling me and I haven't replied to her answers today. So uh, ah. I have like 10 missed calls because I was sick, <laughs> as I told you before. So she's a doctor. She's, she's always worried. So I'm like, okay, I need to give her a call back. I got it. <laughs> Appreciate the full picture there. Well, dude, that's, that's Edge Quick Hitters. Thanks so much for sharing with us. It was a lot of fun. Ethan, what do you say? We had some hot topics to dive into? Let's get into those hot topics. So first on the list here, Tom Bilyeu and Impact Theory Studios upcoming NFT drop, Merry Mods. Let's uh, hear a little bit more. It's a holiday-themed generative NFT collection that will be announced 11-9 on November 9th, which is a couple days ago maybe about a week ago from recording of this and, and maybe a couple of weeks from the airing. Creators Tom Bilyeu and Francisco Herrera. Tom's a co-founder of Impact Theory Studios, well as an accomplished screenwriter. His partner is Francisco, is a celebrated artist creator who has worked with Disney, DreamWorks, Marvel, Dark Horse, wow, and other top studios and publishers. Yeah, very interesting. We, we had Tom on the program a few episodes, a handful of episodes back. We got to meet him in person when we were at NFT NYC. I think one of the most striking things for me, and we probably share this opinion, is like he dropped the NFT collection, uh, raised some funds, and just getting right down to doing other stuff, like building and creating and generating new things out of this whole NFT tidal wave that, that he's riding on. Yeah, yeah. We, we were originally going to have Francisco on the show soon, but the stars didn't align with everyone's schedules. We'll see Tom most likely in Miami soon. And I'm just excited. I minted some Mary Mods today and it was a very smooth sailing process. He delayed the launch two days and with the sort of typical radical honesty that Tom has, he found some sort of contract issue and he wanted to fix it. Went off without a hitch. Just the idea that he's going deep into IP, unique IP and creating amazing content. I think that's a fantastic use case for NFTs, and I'm excited to check out Mary Mods. Who doesn't love a good sort of Christmas story, right? So it looks like there's Santa, there's a character Katarina, there's a snowman, there's an elf. That does it for me. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, like creating all that. People have talked about it a long time, like creating real shows based on NFT characters. You talked earlier, Josh, about Super Doge and... We got the guys from Impact Theory doing this with Mary Mods. Gary V's talked about it with his characters, all the different V friends and just a number of different things in development. I think we talked about the patient pig that we saw Logan Paul walking around with over at NYC or NFT NYC last two weeks ago. Who knows what they're working on? It's cool to see the words put into action. It doesn't always happen you know, with businesses and it definitely doesn't always happen in the world of crypto, but it's happening here in the world of NFTs and it's neat to see, man. I, I think I'm I'm really pumped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Manu, any any other thoughts on this particular hot topic? Yeah, I think we're gonna see more and more like TV shows and stuff like that where the community is actually the owner of those characters. This is just the very, very beginning. I think I'm personally pumped about collective creation. So for sure, I think if we give more power to the community to decide where the stories go and so on. It could be a heavy heater, I think. Yeah, also highlighted here in this this article, the Mary Mods NFTs were available for, or at least the initial date was 11.15 for pre-sale for founders, key holders, right? And so 
that's another way that we're seeing these patterns in ways that folks who have NFT collections and communities are continuing to deliver value in the long term, right? And and that's a, one of the wonderful instruments that we've seen with NFTs and you know, some wallet addresses that are holding NFTs. It provides such a frictionless way to add benefits at any time that you want with an ID that you don't have to have a password and username for. You know, we just say, hey, you've got this, we'll give you that. It's really cool. And the other thing on top of that is just, he mentioned it to us previously, but he has a, a long and strong roadmap behind all this stuff. And so this is today, this is this week. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if in another few weeks or a month, you know, there's there's something else that adds utility to that initial collection that he released. On to the next hot topic. NFL is attaching NFTs to tickets and Alliance Thanksgiving game is on the list. Along with their usual dose of sports, beer and violence, NFT NFL fans will also get a digital token included with the purchase of tickets, certain games this season. And yes, they are NFTs from the NFL. Well, as you said, Manu, like a lot of this stuff's going to get integrated in popular entertainment. And of course, sports are sort of right alongside that. I think one of the interesting things as these larger brands and organizations integrate NFTs, it's just kind of curious to watch from an outsider, the sort of the insiders and the outsiders, right? Like, so there's going to be some people who say, I've, oh, I've got an NFT with this, or, you know, they'll be disinterested, they won't understand. And just sort of seeing how things transition into a wider understanding of things is what I'm curious about. Yeah, I think that in the future, people are going to be bragging about, I went to the first concert of the first of this creator, I discovered this creator, or, you know, I discovered this guy in this specific place and you can prove it. So I think we're going to see this everywhere. It's just going to be everywhere. Yeah, it's one of the fun things, man. Totally one of the fun things, right? Like I think if we talk to, you know, my mom grew up in Los Angeles and was fortunate enough to be around when some of the coolest like Jimi Hendrix shows came through the Hollywood Bowl and she will talk about it, you know, and be like, oh man, you know, the my ticket was eaten by a rat in my, you know, or my grandparents' garage or whatever, right? And it's like, oh, it would have been amazing to see that thing, you know, and feel it, right? But this is creating that into perpetuity, right? Improving it. And, and, and it's so much fun to be able to actually have that kind of experience and know that you can depend on it like forever. It's so cool to see. Yeah. So I remember when I went for the first time to Disneyland and so on, and I had the ticket and I didn't want to lose it. Like it was worth nothing, but for me, it was worth a lot. It was worth, you know, memories and stuff. So, you know, I think that people that don't understand NFTs yet haven't really realized that your identity is built with all these experiences that you live. And now you can have digital expression of that, of those experiences that you live and you can bring them with you, whatever you are. So I think more people are going to realize this once they realize that their own identity is dependent on so many stories, so many things that they have left. So for example, me as a, as a kid, I used to collect, as I said, like all of these tickets from Disneyland, or, or if I went to a, a super nice concert, I would keep that. Or let's say if I watch a movie that my dad gave me as a VHS, I would save that in a, in a small box and stuff like that. And I, I wouldn't want them to be thrown away. And even if I wouldn't watch them again, it was just my memories, my things. So we are interacting way more right now with digital things. So to me, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious that these are going to bring you memories back. Yeah, we get an interesting mix on the program. I would say probably a more than typical population of minimalists, right? Like people who actually, even though we talk about owning things and proof of ownership, they're actually folks that don't like collecting physical objects per se. Although we have had a few hoarders actually, <laughs> as guests admitted hoarders as well. But yeah, it is interesting because you do run into that issue. Like there is that sort of sentimentality, that wonderful feeling that you have when you get to like, pull that thing out that's so important to you and take a look at it. And yeah, I think that there's this ingredient of just making it all that much easier, right? To have these memories, to hold these memories without having to hold on to things in the physical world. Yeah. I personally have become more minimalist as well. Like I don't, because I'm traveling all the time or moving from one country to another. So I don't want to be carrying too many things with me. 
but definitely having these memories in the digital way, I think are amazing. Well, I've got some bowling trophies in a cabinet here that I've kept from when I was like 10 years old, kind of as a joke, you know, but still like <laughs> I still There's have the humble brag again. going to have to. <laughs> yeah, I got that 200 game, you know, but yeah, I'm going to have to NFT these bowling trophies mm -hmm. as, a, <laughs> as, a, as another level of holding on to these things. Anyways, we talked a little bit about Disney naturally here. NFT makers are trying to build the next Disney. As NFTs explode in popularity, entrepreneurs are imagining an entire media industry that's built around them. Yes, indeed. And at its most ambitious, the vision is sometimes dubbed a decentralized Disney. Hey, that's kind of an interesting idea. A world of fictional crossovers like the Marvel Universe and its many spinoffs, but where different characters and creative properties are owned by a panoply of fans, not a single company, talent agencies, comic authors, and countless NFT enthusiasts are buying in. Yeah, it's a fascinating concept. And, you know, I was just listening back to our episode with Asid from Jadu Jetpacks, right? And he's kind of one of those characters that's facilitating this kind of thing. Hey, Let's take all these NFT collected characters and give them jetpacks and hoverboards and allow them to all kind of play in a universe of augmented reality. It certainly sounds fun. I got to say the, the people that have the leg up, just as they do with NFT drops and whether they're pure IP or functional, are the people that do have community built in already and that have IP that people are connected to already. If they were smart right now, Disney and everybody else would be moving super quickly to tap into that community on the collaboration front from a creative perspective and to collaborate with other similar IP holders with similar communities in a cross-functional way. If they were to do that, they would cement their position, I think, in a way that would be impenetrable, right? But they're generally slow moving, big organizations like that. They take their time with things like this and often lose ground to disruptive technologies. And it's opening the door to all of these projects listed here. We talked about, you know, Tom Billy's one, but there's so many others. We got, you know, some people already within the entertainment space uh, that have their own individual communities. I think it was like the Ashton Kutcher, the Stoner Cats one, right? With Mila Kunis. But these big studios need to act now, and if they did it in a way that was collaborative with their quote unquote competition and was built through the lens of co-creation with their community, it could take them into another stratosphere. I don't see them doing that now, but that's what this brings to mind for me. Yeah, there's a lot of potential control that could be given up there too. Like I'm imagining, we just heard about a band that's forming from Bored Apes, right? And, and they're sort of using the Bored Ape avatars as, as their avatars for this band of, I think it was four Bored Apes. And you know, you've got these folks at the top of the rarity pile that hold these these NFT profile picks that almost start to try to embody them and expand the character. But as you talked about that, I'm envisioning like Mickey Mouse, right? Minnie Mouse, Goofy, like these these iconic characters. Is there a world where one individual owns Mickey Mouse, you know, <laughs> and then they become responsible for what is Minnie, Mickey Mouse going to do here in the in the metaverse and in, in, in augmented reality, all these things? Because there is something enjoyable about it being controlled by an organization as opposed to like one person, right? That that has a has a profile pick and owns that character. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. What else do you think? I mean, what do you think of these big guys, the big players, the Disney's of the world, you know, the Marvels of the world and how capable you think they are, man, of, of actually coming in and mixing it up like we're talking about? I think that for them it's gonna be very difficult to be honest, to adapt these new technologies as fast as the space is moving, you know? And why I'm saying that it's going to be difficult because I think that if they launch some NFTs themselves, probably people are going to see them as a money grabber and not really a thing as a building community. I think the next Disney is actually going to be communities and multiple communities coming together it's not going to be one collection. It's going to be a combination of collections doing collaborations between them and, yeah, creating the narratives and shaping the stories collectively. And I personally don't think that Disney has a structure, organizational structure for being able to adapt so fast. But yeah, I might be wrong. This is just my opinion. Yeah, somebody interesting to watch for at least a take on this direction. We had a near miss with him in NYC when we were there. William Quigley of Wax, 
you know, he was at Disney, right, for several years building that brand. And he's been one of those throughout his life, one of those that's forward thinking, like one of the first into websites and the Internet and pushing that domain. So it's interesting to see what a company like Wax is doing, facilitating these collections and this IP and trying to do it in a more advanced way. I think that that he's definitely someone who has an advanced look on how that's going to be in the future for sure. Totally. Yeah. Well, guys, really interesting topics. So much excitement around what's happening in the space. And Manu, man, it, it's just been great to have you on for this conversation, for the whole conversation, man. It's just been so much fun. We really appreciate it. Hey, where can we direct folks to learn and follow more about you and, and the project doing good and everything you're working on? Yeah, on any social media, you guys can find my handle by just spelling M-A-N-U-A-L-Z-U-R-U, Manu Azuru. And I'm anywhere just like that. And regarding doing good, well, you can follow us as well in any social media or in D-O-I-N-G-U-D-B.com, doinggood.com. Perfect. So check it out there, guys. Follow this amazing project and this amazing man. Really great things to come from it. All right. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drop, Spirit Seed NFTs, in collaboration with one of our favorite humans on the planet, Nicole Buffett, an amazing artist and philanthropist whose project Spirit Coins serves as the inspiration for this drop. There are only 100 Spirit Seeds that will ever be minted, and you can grab one for 0.55 ETH at spiritseeds.xyz. We have shared this project with our community at very first as a thank you for all of your support to date. Each seed holder will receive one of 10 8-bit generative spirit seed designs from our very own Ethan Janney, and there will only be 100 ever, remember. Number two, it's going to offset your carbon for a year. Number three, you'll receive one transferable VIP ticket to NFT LA in February of 2022. Number four, you'll get one living tree with all of the co-creation, access, contest, admission perks that you're going to love. And number five, you're going to have a 10% chance of being airdropped a spirit coin, one of Nicole Buffett's special spirit coins with a recent floor of between two and four ETH. So there's so many other drops, merch, other surprises to come in the near future. So head over to spiritseeds.xyz to land a spirit seed while they are still available. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.